Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you are an awesome, awesome God, Father. And uh, we thank you that you are are here tonight in our midst, that uh, we can enjoy uh, keeping you on the forefront of our mind. We do pray, Father, that your word would be hid in our heart, that when we need it at the right time, Father, it would come forth like a a wise man drawing forth uh, out of his treasure chest, Father. I pray that we would just be able to uh, be a witness to uh, walk uprightly, Father, that you would protect the path of us, your saints, Father, and that we would be a strong, Father, in the day of trials and temptation. Uh, we give you this day, we thank you for this word, and we give you all the glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We did have a, a couple weeks of uh, Pastor Dave not being here. Hopefully it uh, was good with uh, Pastor Greg and... Uh, and in all honesty, uh, probably, I think we can safely say that Greg probably is doing more real church tonight than we're doing church out here. You know, it's kind of funny. But he's got a couple problem kids with him, and uh, hopefully uh, he'll be preaching at them. Old Greg the Baptist likes to preach. I love Greg. I, I, I like to come to a Sunday night and listen to him. And uh, he is, he's, uh, he has an inspiration to him. He's got a fiery edge to him and uh, keeps me inspired, I think. But uh, we are going to go back through uh, Proverbs. And hopefully, as you understand, that Proverbs is, is kind of a, uh, it hops, skips, and jumps around on some thoughts. Uh, actually, we've gone through chapters 1, 2, 3, probably 4, 5, uh, carry some type of uh, continuity and thought. But uh, really, after that, each, really each proverb you could spend a, a lifetime meditating on, I guess. I don't know, a day meditating on, and you can really delve in deep into it. <clears throat> it's, hard, it's a hard book to teach because they're just little nuggets. You kind of have to say it and move on. And uh, they're Proverbs. They're just sayings. And Solomon, we said, was the wisest man that ever lived. He uh, wrote a majority of these. There's several other Proverbs that he didn't write. But they're just figures of speech. They're things that are truths that are solid. It's, it's something that uh, is straight out of the Old Testament anyway. And it's it's uh, is, is, uh, good to see that uh, these truths are eternal, and uh, <clears throat> they bear us well. But as it starts out in verse 1, it says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. He says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So if we want to remember where we're at, Solomon's passing on wisdom. And we said it can have a twofold play where David, his father, passed on wisdom to him. And he's also trying to preach to his sons to pass it on and to you and I as a fatherly figure saying, I've been around the block and I want you to understand some of the things. Notice he says, my son, do not forget my law. And it's not God's law, but my law. 
And he's trying to say, I've learned a few things. I've understood some things. And I want you to understand where I've been and what I'm doing. Don't, don't throw me away. Don't discard what's saying. Understand what I'm passing on to you. And what he's saying is, is, is if you cling closely, tightly to God. And that's obviously where we've gone through the last few chapters where he's saying, seek God, 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 God. You need a lot of God in your life. We as a church, we want to bring people to that place where they find God, where they're introduced to God, and then allow God to continue to minister to them. And so he's saying, my laws are to come closer to God's laws. And I'm trying to bring you as a leader responsible to, to, to understand the things that God is true and he reveals things to you. So he comes into, if you would, verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everything you got, you're supposed to trust and believe with what God's doing. And I love this. These are great verses we may want to memorize. It says, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love that, to lean on. You think of a staff. You think of something that you can lean on when you're tired and fatigued. And sometimes we have a tendency when we want to lean on something to go back to our old way of thinking, our old understanding. And he's saying, don't do that, even in times of distress, to turn around and to trust in the Lord with all, all your heart. And in all your ways acknowledge him. So at every turn and every twist, you'd want to be saying, Lord, what would you have me do at this time in my life? Lord, I don't want to do things my way. I want to do things your way. And I want to sit down there and acknowledge to sit down and to say, I need to think about what God would have me say, would have me do. And if you do that, the reward is that he should direct your path. The idea is that God's speaking to you. And he's going to turn around and he's going to say, go to the right, go to the left. You need to go forward with this relationship. You need to stop this relationship. And, and our desire is to say, hey, I, I, I want to listen to the voice of God to draw close enough to God and as it said in Isaiah that he be whispering behind your ear to turn to the right to turn to the left and so we want to turn around and says Lord direct my past take control of my life because your ways are better than my ways verse 7 do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil and it's amazing that in order to depart from God, you would f cease to fear the Lord. You cease to fear the Lord because you start to have that ability to say that you're going to be wise in your own eyes. I got this thing covered, God. I can handle this, God. I'll get through this my way. I'm going to do whatever needs to get done, but I'm going to do things my way. And the moment we start to do that, to cease to acknowledge the Lord, to not to follow the Lord with our own heart is then when we're set up for destruction. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So it's amazing that if you seek the Lord spiritually, you're going to be rewarded with your flesh to be healthy, strength to your bones physically. You're going to survive better physically if you can spiritually keep your mind together to ser serve the Lord. So sometimes we think, well, that's all spiritual hubbub, but it has physical connotations. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. So in the physical realm, 
You have to sometimes take your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So here is a pretty strong verse to say, take your money, take your possessions, take the physical things of this world and physically serve the Lord, not just with an intellectual approach, not just in some spiritual approach, but physically. And then the physical reward. This is pretty clear. He's saying your vats will be overflowed with new wine. So we can all get lots of wine. And your barns will be filled with plenty. So there's not lean times ahead. Now it's interesting as he says this, notice that there's a contrast here that seems rather hypocritical or contradictory. As soon as he turns around and puts a blessing out there and he says, hey, all you guys, there's a huge physical blessing for serving the Lord. He's now going to turn around and says, well, what happens when we suffer in this world? Because he just promised us a great old bounty of wonderful things if we're going to serve the Lord. But for any one of you and I who's been around the block a little bit, as we start to serve the Lord, you can realize sometimes it, it comes with difficulty. Uh, with much pain and suffering, it seems like we enter the kingdom of heaven. With much trials and tribulations, we seem to persevere and grow in the Lord. And, and Solomon is going to turn around and almost with the next breath, he says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whomever the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So it's a great verse. He's going to turn around and say, sometimes God wants to chasten us. He wants to correct us. He's going to spank us sometimes. And I do like this. You know, the Lord wants to discipline us. To discipline is just as if a father would discipline his child. It's a spanking. It's whacking you upside the head. It's saying, son, don't play ball in the highway. You know what I mean? Is he telling you that because he enjoys just beating you? He takes pleasure in just whacking you around and laughs at you? No. He's trying to say, don't play ball in the highway because it will kill you. So there are times when the Lord chastises us, chastens us, spanks us, and he wants to do that because he's trying to improve us to better us. says, uh, 1 Thessalonians says, the Lord did not subject us to wrath. There is a huge difference between the wrath of God and the discipline of God. The wrath of God is there because he wants to destroy you. He's mad at you. It's his anger. And it says God's not to be angry with us, but he does whack up us side the head because he's trying to make our lives better. We need to understand we need to be serving the Lord clearer closer and better than what we can do and understand. My, my classic example is when I give for marriage counseling or really just counseling, I always give the, and forgive me if I've already told you guys, but it's the Donnie and Shelley Garcia example. And uh, when I got out of Bible school, I lived in Phoenix. And when I was living in Phoenix, I was just a Sunday school teacher at our church there. And... Uh, I started my own business. I was doing uh, truck washing, pressure washing. I washed some heavy equipment. And basically, I was busy all weekend. I still made time for church on Sunday. But throughout the week, Monday through Friday, I had a, 
a, a, a very goofy schedule. It was kind of haphazard. I was kind of goofing around most of the time. And I had uh, one of my good friends in the church, this guy, uh, Donnie Garcia. And uh, Donnie Garcia was uh, somebody that uh, he worked for uh, Pertolator at the time. Pertolator was uh, just like Federal Express, if you would. And he had to get up early in the morning. He had to run his route from 7 to 10.30 or something. And then he would have to run the exact same route in the afternoon. So he'd deliver packages in the morning. In the afternoon, he'd pick up packages. So we always had this, this uh, two-and-a-half-hour lunch, if you would. And so he would always call me up and say, hey, Dave, let's go play some pinball together. And Donnie was, was kind of goofy, I guess, and I never really, he always had a, a wry sense of humor. He always used to tell this joke, um, typical Donnie Garcia joke. He can say, oh, this guy was in prison, and this other guy's looking at him in prison, and he goes, man, what are you in for? And the guy says, uh, well, you know, for killing my third wife. This one guy looks at him and says, your third wife? He goes, man, you don't look old enough to have three wives yet. He goes, you killed your third wife? And he goes, yeah. He says, well, my first wife died, you know. We got married, and she died of... Uh, poisoning. She, uh, she ate some bad mushrooms and she died of poisoning. And so I quickly remarried and then I uh, turned around and got married again and then sure enough my second wife died of poisoned mushrooms. And the guy goes, you're kidding me. So why'd you end up killing your third wife? Well she wouldn't eat her mushrooms. <laughs> That's a Donnie Garcia joke and you go, okay Donnie. And you go, and you go, so here's Donnie, he's always goofing around, and he'd always like to go play pinball, which, you know, I guess when I was younger at the time, this was probably, I was 25, I think, and, uh, and I enjoyed going out playing pinball every day for lunch, and, and uh, Donnie and Shelly, he had three kids, and uh, he used to be a, a worship leader. He wasn't the main worship leader of our church, but he was a fill-in worship leader type every now and then greatly anointed of the Lord when he'd play. I mean, he just brought you to tears, and I just enjoyed him as a worship leader who was kind of, you know, goofing around all the time, and he'd do a worship leader at, uh, at like a Bible study setting and stuff. And then him and his wife, and he had his three kids, and Carl and I would always get together. We always played canasta back then, and uh, that's kind of a little bit more complicated version of euchre. And, you know, we would go over to their house every Friday night, Tuesday night. We'd always play cards and goofing around, and everything was fine. And... Uh, and then all of a sudden, things started falling apart, and, you know, things weren't going so well uh, at the uh, Garcia household. And then pretty soon, Shelly, who after her third kid, she slimmed down, and she started going out dancing on Friday nights, and she didn't want to go be around the church thing. And next thing you know, she's out uh, at the clubs, and next thing she meets this other guy, and next thing you know, she's telling us that she's going to leave her husband, Donnie, and and uh and the kids and i'm like man what where did this come from and i got on the phone and i talked to her and talked to her and carla talked to her and donnie was all upset and you know we're trying to do this this counseling to say what's going on here shelly's just going i just can't handle it anymore i'm just not going to go through it anymore i don't care about the god thing anymore and so she ends up moving in with this guy and as she moves in with this guy then, you know, it goes through another couple years of 
about another year, I'd say, until the divorce was finalized. You know how you final the, you know, file your paperwork, you go through this, the courts finally go through the whole thing. And, you know, and when the divorce was final, I talked to Donnie on the phone, and I'm saying, well, you know, Donnie, I guess, you know, it's been a long, hard road. What do you want? She's hard-hearted, you know, blah, 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 you know. And then Donnie says, he goes, well, it's your fault. I go, what? He goes, yeah, it's your fault. I go, my fault? He goes, yeah. He says, uh, he says uh, whenever we went out to go play pinball, he, uh, he said, uh, if you didn't want to go out and play pinball, you had to go work, then I, I would go rent a porn movie, go over to my mother's house for lunch, and sit down and watch that every day during lunch, and excite myself. And I'm like, so it's my fault if I didn't play pinball with you that that justified. Yeah, well, you know, it, uh, my temptations got so strong, you know, that one girl on my route, she turned around and said, hey, let's go have a quickie one time. So Donnie goes out and he gets, you know, he has an affair. And I go, oh, you're telling me this now? A year now after your divorce that you've been out there having an affair and now all of a sudden you've been addicted to pornography and everything's just falling apart and uh, uh, and you're blaming it on me? Excuse me? Yeah, well, that's the way it is, Dave. Well, you know, a couple of things happened in that whole scenario. Once Donnie had the affair, it's interesting that now he comes home, he didn't sit down and tell his wife, hey, Shelly, I had an affair. You know, guess what I did today for lunch? What does he do? Shuts his mouth. As he shuts his mouth about everything, he comes home, but he knows what he did in his heart. He went out and he did the old nasty with somebody over here. So what does he do when he comes home? He comes home and what does he say? The dishes aren't done. What's wrong with you, woman? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? And he's coming home for a whole year. He starts slamming his wife as soon as he comes in the door. I'm sick and tired of this. Why don't you have the kids like this? I can't believe the kids don't have five spoons to have, you know, whenever they want one and whatever he could pick a fight for. So poor Shelly, she comes home and she's sitting down there and says, what is going on with my husband? I'm coming home. We're supposed to be nice little Christians. We're supposed to be playing cards together with other Christian people. And all of a sudden, my husband, I don't know, I don't know whatever happened to him. And she finally says, I can't put up with this anymore. I'm going to go out and find some type of sanity. I can't hang around with people in the church. That's doing nothing. So I'll go out and hang out at the bars. And as she's hanging out at the bars, next thing you know, she's out there leaving her husband. And then Donnie can sit here around the little Christian circles and say, oh, pray for my wife. Pray for my wife. She's just really losing it. And in the meantime, what does he have? Oh, he's got his little secret sin right there. Well, the thing that irks me, and I always tell this story whenever I do marriage counseling, is that you find out that Donnie and Shelley have had problems for forever, that they've gone through three separate pastors throughout different churches that they've attended to in the last 10 years or something. And every pastor they go to, they go to a church for a while, and then they say, well, we need to go for marriage counseling. For three, year, three separate incidences, they go to marriage counseling with a pastor. Now, the thing that really bothers you is that Shelley and Donnie both know that Donnie has a problem with pornography. Now, I sit down there and I hear this story because I'm only sympathetic to my end of the deal. At the end of it, I have to watch this whole thing and I feel like the big, what, the big sap, the big sucker who sat down there, poured out my heart, called and prayed and, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the thing is, is you go, well, there's a huge problem going on here, but Donnie didn't want to tell me that he's out there with some other gal doing this thing. And you know what? You know how stupid I was? 
I guess this girl gave him a sexually transmitted disease. One time he goes with this gal, he gets a sexually transmitted disease. Gee, she was kind of a floozy. And then he takes me, he goes, come on, we have to go down to the sexually transmitted disease center down here, and I have to get some cream for my, you know, jock. And, and he goes, it's, the doctor told me to do it because my underwear is too tight. <laughs> and stupid Dave Brown believes him. I can't believe, I go to this thing with him, I'm picking up this cream for his crabs or whatever he's got, and I'm believing it's for his underwear too tight. You go, now how stupid and naive am I? I mean, I am the, the lark and the sucker of all suckers, believing this thing through hook, line, and sinker. And the thing that gets me is that they had known for forever that Donnie had a problem with pornography, but they go to three separate pastors to go through marriage counseling. And listen to this, they never once told the pastor that there's a problem with pornography in the household. And you go, classic story of saying, you know what? You are never going to find an answer for your problems unless you're going to open up and tell the truth about what your problems are. So how many times you have somebody sitting in front of you, and I feel this way sometimes as a marriage counselor, pastor, people come into my office, and they're telling me all these nice, wonderful, flowery, flowery things about themselves, and they want to deal with one little specific problem that they have. And in the meantime, they got this problem the size of Texas over here, but they go, oh, we don't talk about that. And then you go, well, you know what? You're never going to find healing. You're never going to have restoration. You're never going to have a place in your heart. But see what happens inside of a Donnie and Shelly Garcia's mind is they go, well, we don't want to talk about those things. So what we're going to do is we're not going to acknowledge the Lord in all that we do in our lives. We're not going to trust the Lord with our whole heart because what are we saying? We don't believe that if we said this, listen to this, if we talked about a problem with pornography, well, then the pastor's got to think we're nuts. And then we're going to have to like really deal with the issue. And we don't particularly want to do that. And so the truth comes right out of these pages. It sits down and says, well, you know, what if you don't want to, first off, really seek the Lord? I mean, in all honesty, you have to sometimes say, say, you know what, God, this is a problem that I'm struggling with. And I guarantee you the hardest thing you can ever do is to say, you know, that nightmare that you have is a, of an issue. You sometimes have to come clean with that and say, I got a problem with pornography. And if he would have said, I got a problem with pornography, analyzing this situation, that would have been a lot easier to deal with than saying, I've had an affair. But he didn't want to say, I have a problem with pornography. He dodged that, dodged that, dodged that. He was playing a game. He was hiding the things that he wanted to deal with. And then all of a sudden, it goes into a bigger problem. It escalates into another bigger problem. And now all of a sudden, he's divorced. And you want to know the real kicker? He goes away, he moves to Colorado, he gets remarried, and now he's teaching uh, divorce recovery classes for people in his church. And you go, Donnie, <laughs> you got no business teaching anybody. You should be saying the guilty parties of what's going on here. And it's sad. It's sad because there, there are times in our life where the scripture is saying, acknowledge the Lord, right? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do you really believe that he can deal with you and your problem? Do not lean on your own understanding. We have a tendency to say, well, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. I can get by. I'll manage my problem. 
In all your ways acknowledge him. He, they didn't want to do that. And when you cease to do that, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable. And he shall direct your paths. Well, the path the Lord would have for Donnie is a path of confession. It would have been difficult. And it would have been okay to sit down and say, Lord, I can go forward with it. And, and it would have been so much better because God's ways are better. But he harbored that in his heart and it only grew into a nightmare. It led to his divorce. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you can handle your problems. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You would have been healthier. And, and honestly, if you would have seen Donnie, he was Garcia. He's a little Hispanic guy and, and he was... I don't know, my build, and he withered down to a pencil. And you could just see him, the guilt, the shame, the agony that he went through, knowing that he was losing his kids and his wife was leaving him, knowing full well that it's his responsibility, he shriveled down next to nothing. And, and you can just watch people where the anxiety weighs so heavy physically on somebody's body. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of your increase, and when, you, when you're being blessed of the Lord, you want to give back to the Lord. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. And somehow or another, when we know that we have a problem, and we'd have to actually confess, you know, i got a problem with pornography. And if I confess that, well, then everyone's going to know they may not have me do worship anymore and I may have a black eye, you know, that I'm going to have to deal with. And I don't want to be chastened. I don't want to have to deal with it. So I'm going to cover my sin, cover my past, cover my problems. And you know what? You can't despise that. You should be able to take full on, head on your problems and says, Lord, if I got a few whoopings coming, take them. I'll, I'll take them, Lord. And if you take your whoopings from the Lord and you own up to your responsibility, then what you're doing is you're placing yourself in God's hands and God's going to take care of you. He'll take care of you. He loves you. Do you think he just wants to just laugh at you and go, ha, 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 ha? Do you think you're something different if you've got a problem with pornography? you think that you're something different from any other man? No temptation has overtaken you, but as such is common to man. And, you know, all of us go through the same struggles all the time. And yet we are so fearful to admit that we have a flaw. And sometimes you just have to sit down and say, Lord, I don't want to despise your chastening. I know that your discipline is good. I know that I need to be cut back. And none of us ever want to be pruned. Jesus tells us, though, John chapter 15. He prunes all of us. He loves us. He, bear, he wants us all to bear fruit. And if we bear good fruit, then what happens? He prunes us on top of it. And you go, gee, that's good, God. And we despise that. We says, Lord, I want to grow. I want to do things my way. I, wanna, I, wanna be, and I don't want to be pruned. And, and sometimes we have to sit down and say, Lord, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the hard way. I'll, I'll own up to my responsibility. Shame on me for the things I've done wrong but I, I want to trust you, God, with my life. I don't want to sit down there and manage things. And you see so many people, so many people sit down there, carry their load, carry their load, cover their sin, cover their sin, and it becomes a burden. They become frustrated. They become depressed. They become angry. They sit down there, and pretty soon they're going, I'm sick and tired of carrying the burden. I'm sick and tired of, of holding things in. I'm sick and tired of this, and I can't stand it. Well, because you despised 
that day of the Lord when he was saying, I'm trying to do a work. You despise turning around his discipline and owning up to it at that time. And you've carried a burden for so long. Your wife doesn't want to be around you. You're destroying the family. You're destroying your life. You're sick. And you're sitting down there saying, God, how did this happen? Well, it all happens when you sit down there. And then to justify that sin and to say it's Dave Brown's fault because he didn't play pinball with me. What? My? Well, if you would have said, Dave, if you don't play pinball with me, I'm going to go get a movie and relieve my tensions. And I would have said, well, I'll make sure I got time for pinball. I didn't know it was that important. But, you know, you can't even own up to it. You can't even take a friend. And you go, you don't even really have a friend then if you're not owning up to these things. So we can't despise. You can't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his corrections. For whom the Lord loves, he does correct. Just as the Father, the Son, whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And wisdom is saying, I better do something about my situation. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profit of silver and her gain, the gain of wisdom, than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. So if you would, the whole earth has a plan, a purpose, a, 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 a pre-ordained way that things work. And if you work with what God is establishing in your life, it almost seems like the whole world comes into a sense of, harmony. It almost seems like when you're broken before the Lord and put your hands in God's life and you put your life in God's hands, sorry, that you would turn around and say everything starts to come together. There's a piece of the universe that flows and says I understand what's happening. You break that and you go against God's ways and trust in your own understanding. It seems like you're struggling, you're fighting upstream, if you would. You're going uphill, and life becomes a day-to-day -day struggle. Everything God put together was through wisdom. There is a wisdom that God says, work with me, and it flows. You fight that wisdom, it's pain. So he says, my son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble he says when you lie down you will not be afraid yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. 
See, isn't that nice? You can sit down and say, you know, I don't have to worry about anything. I got the cat out of the bag. I've confessed my sin. I got a problem with pornography. And once it's out there, once things are going, it's amazing how free you feel. It's like, you know, there's nothing anybody else can do. I've already taken my deepest, darkest secrets of who I am and what I'm about. I've thrown it out in front of the, the, uh, the, the whole, you know, congregation, if need be. And, and from there on out, nobody can ever sit down there and throw rocks at me again. And, you know, it's amazing how freeing it is to be able to confess your sin. Yeah, when we were small, and I, when we were 15 people or so, 20 people, 25 people, there were a couple people that I, I would drag them in front of the congregation to make them confess their sins in front of the church. And I don't know, maybe I was a little overzealous. And for some people, it kind of blew up in my face. <laughs> People don't particularly like that. But I'll tell you what it does, is it stops and eliminates gossip. We had this uh, one guy in our church, and uh, he uh, had this gal in the church called him one night. And uh, he thought that this girl was another girl. And uh, it was this girl, Lori. And so Lori calls this one guy up, and so he thinks that this is Sue. Pick some names up for you. So he thinks he's talking to Sue, and what does he do? He turns around and says, oh, man, I can't stand that girl Lori. Lori's just a piece of trash, blah, 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 blah. And it's Lori on the phone. So, you know, he goes on for 10, 15 minutes, you know, and then all of a sudden she goes, well, hey, uh, whatever, you know. And you could just see he goes, oh, no. I'm busted. He felt like a total idiot. And he didn't want to come to church the next week. And, you know, it was a big blow up. And then everybody, you could just hear everybody kind of going, oh, do you know what Mike did? Mike made a total, you know, fool out of himself and blah, 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 blah. And so I get on the phone and I'm talking to this guy. And I'm saying, hey, you know what you need to do? Is I said, you need to stand up in front of the church, tell the whole church what you did. And, uh, and it was so powerful because he ended up coming to church, stood up in front of the church. He says, you know what I did? I hurt somebody that I loved very much. I said a lot of stupid stuff. I had no right to say that. This person was a friend to me. They were good to me. They helped me out, and I spit in their face. There's no excuse for it. He explained the whole situation. And then he says, you know, will you forgive me? She gets up, she gives him a hug. Awesome healing. Awesome that they could stay together and have great friends. Everything was there. You can see the power of the Holy Spirit moving through the whole congregation. It built their friendship to a new place and a new level. But definitely what I saw as a pastor was that it completely eliminated gossip. And in a small church, when people know each other, gossip runs rampant. Oh, you know, what's going on with this? And what's going on with this? And what's going on with this? <clears throat> and trust me, there is such freedom when you, you can sit down and say, I've expressed myself. I've told you what my problem is. Now, what are you going to do? Throw a rock at me? Are you going to hate me? No, you're Christians. You're supposed to love me. But when you don't do that and you're going to run around and say, well, I've got my secret sin and I'm going to go over and I'm going to go tell so-and-so about my secret sin because I'm just going to, you know what I'm struggling with? I'm struggling with some pornography over here. I want to tell you something, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> if 
soon as you say those magic words, <laughs> it's all over the church. I want to tell you something, but can I trust you? Can I tr Don't tell anyone. <laughs> now, for the guy who just says that, you're now living in a constant state of fear, saying, I told so-and-so my sin, and he has this leverage over me that if I don't go over and help him clean his house on Saturday, he's going to tell the pastor that I have a problem with pornography. <laughs> And I don't want that, so I'm going to be extra good, extra heavy, extra worried. And what are you doing? You're spending all night grinding your teeth. Oh, I hope so-and-so doesn't say such and such. Oh, and I think Susie might know, but who knows about this, about where this goes and where this. And you can just see Solomon. He's like, you know, I've been around this block 15 times. You want joy? You want peace in your life? Hey, confess your sin. Hello, I have sinful temptations. I have wickedness in my heart. I am a dirt ball. And from here on out, you just people go, oh. Hey, that guy's just like me. That's what everyone says. Hey, if I can relate to that guy, I struggle with that too. And then you got to find out what happens. People turn around and says, oh, Dave, you told me that you struggled with pornography. You know, I, I just got to tell you, man, I struggle with that too. And I thought I was the only one that was like that. Man, I can't believe that. Praise the Lord. And then you're going to find out you're going to have real koinonia, real fellowship with, with somebody, real intimacy, because now all of a sudden you're being real with somebody. And that is what grows and stimulates truth, not running around playing games. And you can almost hear him. He's saying, you know what, if you go by wisdom, if you don't trust in your own understanding, and, and if you acknowledge the Lord and what you're doing, and you're going to sit down and say, Lord, I need some help, and I want to, I want to sit down there and do this right, it's beautiful. Don't let them depart from your eyes. You focus on God's way, not your way. Verse 21, keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck and they will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You can go to sleep at night and say, well, my life's in God's hands. I don't have to worry about things anymore. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. You know how many people lose nights of sleep worrying about stuff that some truth is going to come out about them, that they're going to have some bad image, that they're going to, they don't want to deal with a shortcut? Do not be afraid of the sudden terror. You know how many, that's the boogeyman at night. You know how many people sit there and just are scared to sleep without the light on or something? Nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. So you say, hey, I got a problem now and I can deal with it. What do they say about a car accident? When, when, when you talk to any police officer, and especially as I'm riding my motorcycle around, what do they always say? It's never one thing that causes an accident. It's always the third or fourth thing that goes wrong that causes an accident, isn't it? It's when you're driving, going down the road, right, and uh, you spill the coffee in your lap, you're trying to eat, and you are not paying attention because the radio's turned up, and then all of a sudden a car pulls in front of you, then you hit the car. Because if it was just driving down the road and a car pulled out in front of you, you'd probably hit the brakes. But you know what, you already got three or four different problems. You're already tired, you're already thinking about something else, you spill the coffee on your lap, and next thing you know a problem hits you, bam, you're in an accident. And so what happens sometimes is you have to be able to have a little bit of daily maintenance inside of your life. And if you don't sit down there and take care of your secret sins, your problems and the things that are there, when a real problem comes at you, you're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be able to understand it. And, and it's a shame to see so many Christians, they're carrying four or five little secret sins. They're carrying all these little things behind them, and then they're trying to carry their walk through life. And they're going, I just can't make it to the top of the hill, Lord. I just can't do this. I can't do it. And God's saying, well, get rid of all your trash, because here comes a real problem. And when you face a real problem in your life, you're not going to be able to even begin to have the energy, the effort, or the thought process to take care of it. Straighten it out. 
And I like this. So you wouldn't be afraid of sudden terror, nor trouble when the wicked, when it does come, verse 25, because problems will happen. For the Lord will be your confidence. You've got your breastplate of righteousness, your shield of faith up there, and will keep your foot from being caught. So he turns around and then goes through some lighter proverbs, if you would, verse 27. He says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. So, you know, sometimes you just have to be nice to some people. He says, when it is in the power of your hand to do so, do not say to your neighbor, oh, go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it to you, when you have it uh, with you. <laughs> so you can just think of some, some neighbor coming over, borrowing the frying pan, I don't know, you know. Can I, can I borrow your frying pan? And you go, well, I got a frying pan right here, but what do we say? We want to just start, you know, yanking this guy around, and so you go, so you go, oh, come, come back tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk. I need to pray about that. And, and how many of us say, well, you got the frying pan. Give the God the frying pan. Why do you come up with a lame excuse to put it off for tomorrow just because you want to irritate the guy because you don't want to just seem like, you know, you're just going to give something away. Have you ever had that happen where you just, for no particular reason, you just feel like being, well, let's drag this out for a little bit. I guess I got to give it to him. But I, I just feel like dragging this situation out just to be the pain. And Solomon's saying, quit it. Quit it. Quit being a pain. You know, if you know you're going to do something, do it. Do it the way it should be. When you're speaking to somebody, be upfront, be honest, and quit prolonging the problem. Something about us just loves to drag out every problem. There's, I don't know, maybe we learn the proverb of, you know, time heals all wounds or something. Or if we stretch things out, we're going to ignore it long enough, it will go away. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And, and, and sometimes we got to say, look, i got a problem. I need to deal with it. Well, I'm going to struggle with it for another three years, and then I'll deal with my problem. Yeah, I'll kill you. Who said that, Greg? Amen. they will kill you. So you go, come back, to, don't come back tomorrow when you have it with you. Verse 29, do not devise evil against your neighbor. So there's times that we would be the person at fault, scheming, devising evil against someone else. For he dwells by uh, you for safety's sake. Hopefully people are in church together to, to become close to one another because they need to be able to say, look, I'm going to talk about my struggles with pornography. Hey, congregation, I'm kind of okay in that area, so I don't feel like I, it's just a good example, okay? But if I'm confessing my problems of pornography then you can sit down there and say, you know what, I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you this because I need safety. I need to have someone else to help me get through this. And it's sad, and it is sad that when people say, look, you know, Dave just confessed he's got a problem with pornography, I'm going to sit down there and use it against him. I'm going to manipulate him. I'm going to say, well, you better come over and clean my house or else I'm going to tell. I'm going to blame you and say, oh, you pervert, why aren't you over here? That's just wrong. It says, do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without a cause, for he has done you no harm. And it is amazing how people want to pick on other people when they haven't done anything wrong. And I don't know why it is you grow up in any high school, any school, it just seems like there's always some kid that everyone wants to pick on because he's the nerd. And, 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 you know, it is disgusting, the human nature on how we have to pick on someone. 
And, you know, the nerdy kid at school, you always dump their books on, you always draw a picture and say he's an idiot, and you always have to make fun of in the butt of every joke. And it's just because the kid's lame. And, you know, we had this kid that was like that when we were growing up. His name's Russell Bird. <laughs> Name like that, you, you know, the Bird Man, you know. And, and, and everyone picked on him. And I, when I grew up, I was ashamed of myself for the way that I picked on him. And, and he wasn't any that much worse than I was, but somehow or another, he was the butt of every joke. And it probably started out when he was five years old. He was afraid of a dog. And me and my other friend had a dog, and then our dog chased him, and so we always went bird hunting to go have our dogs chase down Russell Bird. And then from there on out, the kid just never, you know, and he was the one that wore the floods and, you know, the this and the that, you know. But it's, it's I look at that and I go, that's, I, I, I'm capable of picking on an innocent person, and I'm ashamed of myself for being able to do that. It's disgusting. And, and it, it, it shows you the, the human heart that is capable of destruction and we have to be careful not to lean on our own understanding because within our twisted framework of our heart we have the capability to rip and to shred someone else apart and we have to be careful of that we have to sit down there and says you know what guard my tongue lord let me not pick on somebody who's innocent so he says he says you know verse 31 it only makes sense don't envy the oppressor the guy that's the bully, that's picking on everybody. Don't, don't envy the oppressor and, and choose none of his ways. For the uh, perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his select counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. So, it seems rather self-explanatory, but wisdom is being uh, explained by Solomon, who's saying, this is as obvious as the nose on your face. This is the truth that everyone can understand. Any third grader can understand the truth of this. Any functioning church should be able to be able to say, let's have a time of confession, repentance, of healing, and we're not going to sit down and hold things against people. And it should all come down to that simple truth that no temptation has overtaken you, but as such is common to man. The things I struggle with are the things that you struggle with, and there's nobody here in this room that's above a temptation, a struggle, a desire to do something wicked, evil, or wrong. And there is safety in numbers when we can sit down and say, you know what, Lord? I need my brothers and sisters to be together. I want to take responsibility and own up to my actions, and I need them in my life because we need love. We need to be around each other. And that's what Solomon's saying. Don't, don't forsake that. And be a Donnie Garcia that says, I don't want that, 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 that pruning. I don't want that discipline. I don't want to have to admit my problem, you know, because that's going to hurt me. And, and people might think the less of me. But in the meantime, you've watched your family. You've watched everything to be destroyed. You've committed adultery. And now you have to deal with ten times the problem than it ever was. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. 
If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.